Welcome to Resilience Found, a podcast of stories shared in hopes to inspire, encourage, and most importantly, let others know they are not alone. Everyone has a story to tell. Do you want to tell yours? Today, I'm talking to Michelle in Chicago. Michelle has agreed to take us on her journey through pregnancy loss and IVF. Yeah. So thanks, Andrea, for having me on your podcast. And I love that you're doing this and, you know, really getting our stories out there for anyone to hear and hopefully relate to. So thank you for doing this. This is awesome. Um, And again, I'm Michelle. I live in Chicago with my husband and my five-year-old son. And I I was about 36. Um, I'm going to be 38 this year. So 36 when I realized that we should probably seek fertility treatment. And that came after a pregnancy that resulted in an early miscarriage around seven and a half weeks. And after the miscarriage, we decided that we really did want to try for a sibling to our then four-year-old son. So we tried, you know, month after month for at least 10 cycles before moving on to the first step of fertility treatments. Um, So we did IUI or interuterine insemination. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then we moved on to IVF after that. Um, and I, I know you wanted me to talk a little bit about what had happened beforehand, so I'll get into that as well. But um, back in 2014, I had an ectopic pregnancy. And that was actually before we started family planning, um, before I even knew that I wanted to get pregnant. It happened, um, you know, um, randomly, I guess you could say, because I had just gotten off birth control a couple months prior and we were traveling we were just kind of enjoying life and we were in Italy for 10 12 days and I came back and then I was rushed to the hospital because I was just in so much pain and realized that that was um, an ectopic pregnancy and I had to get my left fallopian tube removed so so the IVF and the infertility journey has been more recent, but I've, you know, experienced pregnancy loss, like I said, before even wanting to have a child of my own. And I've, you know, always wanted to share that because I learned so much from it. It was scary for me, but I learned so much. And to have anybody go through that, you know, is, I, I don't know. I, it's a lot. It's, it's frustrating. It's scary. Um, you know, and I just want to try to help people that, you know, have experienced that, you know, let them know that you can get through it. For people that might not know what ectopic means, are you comfortable with sharing what, what the definition of that is? Yeah. So an ectopic pregnancy um, is when the, you know, the embryo does implant, but it implants in the wrong place. The most common site for an ectopic pregnancy is in one of the fallopian tubes, um, but it can happen anywhere. It can happen um, throughout the uterus or even in the abdominal area, um, but it's just not in the right place. And so as it starts to grow, it grows abnormally and in a place that can't support it. And so, for example, with the fallopian tubes, those are really small. And as the egg starts to, the embryo starts to grow, um, it will cause, let's say, the tube to expand and eventually rupture because it can't support a pregnancy in that spot. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. First of all, I'm so sorry to hear. Um, you know, I, I can, I can't imagine um, that feeling. And I'm sure some people listening may maybe I'd be able to identify with you on that. And there's, I'm sure people like myself that, um, you know, uh, can't imagine that. What what kind of kept you to say okay and and not give up after experiencing that? Yeah. So you know, and I I don't want to say that it was easy after the ectopic going through the ectopic was so hard and it took me longer than I really thought it would to recover from it I mean there was a point where I switched doctors you know after the ectopic just to get a second opinion because I did not feel myself and I didn't want to do anything it was like more it was mental and physical so I think because I was still mentally drained from the ectopic and going through that, Mm -hmm. that it really affected me physically. And I wanted to get a second opinion. And I just remember that, um, that doctor looking at me and saying, Michelle, everything looks great. Your surgery went perfectly. And she said, you're okay. And I just sat there and I just cried in the office because I didn't know what was wrong with me. But I think at that point, I realized like, okay, I am okay. I need to start getting back into doing the things that I need to do and want to do. And um, and then we decided to, you know, try again to have our first child. And and it was a much easier um, journey at that point in time. You know, we got pregnant very quickly with our first son, with our first child. So, you know, with that, you know, I was just like so excited that we were able to get pregnant again and, you know, had a, you know, a great pregnancy, you know, no real issues and, um, you know, and then delivered. And after that, I decided that I was just going to get an IUD put in. My husband and I didn't want to have another child right away. We knew that we wanted to space the children out. So, I had an IED put in for three years and that was it. Like, I didn't even think anything more about it. And that's just what got me through is like being able to get pregnant again quickly and getting that positive on that pregnancy test. Okay. And that you said that one was, um, was fairly normal pregnancy. Yeah, it was natural and it was normal. And it, I didn't have any issues that I can think of now. I mean, just the regular, you know, heartburn, can't sleep. <laughs> you know, yeah, all of the things that go with <laughs> all that, the right? Um, so yeah, so it's like you know, I kept going because there there wasn't really anything that went wrong after the ectopic that first one, you know, until we started trying again to have a sibling for our son. Okay, and so what? Um. So you decided to try to have a sibling and how, how has that been or how did that start off? Yeah. So as I was starting to say, so um, let's see, this was in 2019. So I had the IUD removed and, um, you know, my cycles were starting to get regular again and I um, got pregnant and didn't realize that I was pregnant because, you know, my cycles were a little bit wacky and still trying to, you know, become regular. And Mm -hmm. so then, you know, I 
sounded at home that I was pregnant. I wasn't at home. I was actually in London. <laughs> when I found out that I was oh, pregnant. wow. Yeah, we were at a wedding and I don't even know what prompted me to go get a pregnancy test from the store. Um, it was just something that my cousin said to me, something like, you are having weird stomach issues that you keep complaining about and you've missed your period. Like, why don't you go get a test? And I was like, okay, I guess I will. (laughs) (laughs) And I definitely took more than one and both were positive. (laughs) And so, yeah, so then it came back home and and this is where it starts to get like a, a lot more stressful for me because I have the history of the ectopic. And so when I came back, you know, I made sure to get those appointments in with my OB right away because, you know, if you have history of an ectopic, then you're more likely to get to have an ectopic again. And so, you know, and here I was like dragging my son to these doctor's appointments in the morning before dropping him off at daycare to see if my HCG values were going up appropriately. And and they weren't. And that's, so I already, that's when I knew I would probably not have a normal pregnancy because those HCG values weren't going up as they should. And, mm-hmm. you know, a few weeks later I did miscarry. Um, so sorry to hear that. Um, how can you describe how you felt? Yeah, I'm, it was harder. I mean, the ectopic, like I keep saying, was really scary and just because I didn't really know what was going on. Um, and going through a miscarriage and actually, you know, having that excitement of becoming pregnant and then to have the miscarriage happen, it's it's tough for anybody. And it was definitely harder, you know, like I, I had my four-year-old at the time, not even four, with me asking mommy, what's wrong with you? And being, and then uh, later appointments, you know, being rushed from work to, to the OB's office, because they said that I would probably have to go to the hospital for another procedure because they just couldn't, you know, tell if I was having a regular miscarriage or if I was having an ectopic again, it was definitely tough, but that's, you know, and that's what, again, like prompted us to really think about, you know, okay, let's like really now start trying again. Like let's be more careful about this and let's try to have a sibling for Shay, our son. Um, And with that is, you know, where we are now with IVF because we've had so, you know, so many failed months of trying, failed IUIs. And, you know, even now one failed IVF um, transfer. Wow. And I mean... Because I'm trying to picture, I've been through some of my own, you know, I, I I try to think how I could relate, and, uh, you know, hearing that IUI didn't work, or, you know, it's just such a, um, you, you know, like my first thought was, well, what's wrong with me? I mean, is that like what was going through your head when? you were, you know, Hey, you know, it's a miscarriage or now this isn't working. I mean, did you feel that way or were you more like, okay, this is happening for some reason. It's not me. Like take, like, could you take us through your process of how you, how you processed it? Yeah, definitely felt like what's wrong with me. And that's after, you know, getting tested 
um, at the OB's office, at the reproductive endocrinologist's office, and them telling you that all your labs look good, everything looks beautiful, um, but you still can't conceive. Um, and of course, like going through pregnancy losses, you know, you always wonder like, what's wrong with me and what's happening in there and why can't I get pregnant or sustain a pregnancy? You know, definitely. Um, you know, and so then they chalk it up to unexplained infertility and, you know, you're always left wondering like what you could have done or what you should do. But, but I think, you know, going to the IVF route actually really helped me. And it helped me, you know, just get a better like handle on things because at that point it wasn't me, you know, doing the the work for it. You know, it wasn't me charting my cycles, watching for my LH surge, you know, trying to figure out when the best time was for us to um, be intimate, you know, to get pregnant. You know, it was kind of left to the doctors and their medical team. And for me, that actually made the jump into IVF a lot easier because it wasn't me having to do it. I was just you know, following the the step by step plan and uh, taking recommendations from a medical team. So that actually for me helped. So I was nervous starting starting IVF after everything that had happened, but I was actually really excited for it too. Which I don't know that many people would say that, but I can definitely say that I was as excited as I was nervous. So it took some of the pressure off, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so after, you know, the, like, what got you to say, okay, well, this miscarriage happened, like, what was the time span between then and um, deciding that you would go, because then, then you went straight to IVF from there? Right. Yeah. So the miscarriage happened in July of 2019. We tried ourselves until um, June of 2020. So a year, um, started with two IUIs and then moved into IVF. Uh, My IVF, my stimulation cycle was in October of 2020. Okay. And And that's when it started. Yeah. How do you, like, what made you say, you know what, even though this has happened, I'm going to try this next step, IVF? I think because, you know, when they did all the lab work and they, you know, they said there wasn't anything wrong, that I had good levels, you know, that my um, reproductive endocrinologist, you know, was really confident that we would have a good cycle, um, a really positive response to the meds. And so, um, so we decided to go for it. My husband and I are both pharmacists, so we're in healthcare. And I think, you know, it just made sense that we'd been trying for so long. So this was the next step. Um, mm-hmm. Step in, we, and we are, you know, we believe in the science of it, I guess, because that's kind of where our <laughs> mindset is at. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that really pushed us to go for it. And, um, you know, I had a lot of support from my family too. I have two siblings and they were like, you know, very supportive and, and really pushed us to do it as well. And so uh, where, so you started the first, so when did you start your first cycle then of IVF? You said this past um, spring? 
Um, so it was in October of 2020. So October. Um, okay. Yep. So the last fall. Yeah. Uh, so we had a stem cycle and it went about nine days. Um, you know, you can stem from probably like eight to 14 days. And my doctor is, you know, she, she even said it herself. She's like, I am very impatient. So she started me in a pretty like, I don't want to say high because it's of course like relative to, you know, your body and where you're at and what your doctor recommends. But um, compared to what I've seen um, other protocols, I think I had a pretty uh, decent dose of my stem meds. And so I stemmed for uh, nine days with the shots and then I had a retrieval done five days after stopping the shots. And we did a fresh transfer. And okay. And a fresh transfer is we, you know, when they collect the eggs from you, they fertilize them with your husband's sperm or partner's sperm and see where they grow. And then after that, they um, froze, you know, my eggs except for one, or embryos except for one. And they used that one um, for my first IVF transfer. So that's a fresh transfer is when they retrieve the eggs, let them fertilize and mature, and then put one in you right away. One or two, I guess. So we did one. Okay. And that is this. That's the transfer that also ended in an ectopic. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, and and I always say this: the first ectopic was was horrifying, and this last ectopic was beyond frustrating. I mean, because you just feel like you're so in control and the doctors are in control and, you know, but you, you really can't tell what's going to happen with that little bean inside <laughs> until all the tests are done. Right. And so, um, you know, I, it was, it was really hard because I started spotting that turned to bleeding before my first pregnancy test at the hospital, at the clinic. And I, I felt like I knew it was over anyways, because, you know, I, I was bleeding. I was like, okay, I'm having my period. There's no way I'm pregnant. And I get a call from the clinic and it's like, oh, Michelle, like, you know, your numbers look great. Your HCG is positive. Good job. You know, and I was like, um, okay, but I'm bleeding. <laughs> and, and then I'm like, okay, we'll come in for a next one. That one looked good too. Okay. And I said, all right, well, what am I supposed to do with this? Like I'm spotting, what do you want me to do? Come in again. And, and so I had a ton of HCD levels drawn after my first transfer and it did go up, but then it came down. And so they had diagnosed it as a chemical pregnancy. And so I was like, okay, fine. It didn't work. You know, that's okay. You know, we have more embryos frozen that we can try again with. But then as I kept going in for my follow-ups, you know, those HCG values were so erratic. They went down and then they went up again and then they came down and then they went up again. And so I was literally in the clinic every other day for weeks, weeks. Uh, and it and was rough. <laughs> and this is all during a pandemic, you know. <laughs> this is true. So you're you know, your partner's not with you. You have to worry about where you're going to leave your child, you know, because they can't come with you. So it was hard. And, you know, like I said, both of us are pharmacists. And so 
my husband's frontline, he still goes to work and I'm working from home. And so he wasn't even here a lot of those days when they would, you know, call me with the results. And, and at that point there, there was, you know, one day in particular, and I just felt so alone. Like I was going through this alone, even though I wasn't, but that's just how I felt because you know, everything is harder (laughs) during this pandemic, right? Yeah, Um, it's definitely isolating. (laughs) And I just broke down because I was so frustrated with the back and forth of the numbers and the back and forth of going to the clinic and the up and down of my emotions. (laughs) It was hard. It was really hard. And so what what kept you going from that point? Oh, I actually didn't want to go <laughs> from that <laughs> thing for a little bit. So, and, you know, even after that, it, it wasn't even just like, a, a, you know, a clear miscarriage, right? So with an ectopic, something has to happen for that pregnancy to like resolve itself, you know? So I, I got a biopsy done, an endometrial biopsy, which is horrible. It's where they're like scraping your inside, not as bad as like a DNC would be, but they're like scrape, you're awake and they're just like scraping the inside of your uterine lining to see if that will kind of like dismiss the pregnancy. And, and then I had, and that didn't work. And so then I had two doses of methotrexate. And when usually when you have been given methotrexate to stop a pregnancy, you can't conceive for at least a couple of cycles. Um, So, you know, so it was like playing the, we're in the long game, right? Like, okay, this happened. And now we know that we can't really go anywhere from this. So, I mean, so there was definitely a weight um, that we knew that we, you know, so there was definitely a weight and we knew that we were not going to be trying again for a little while. And so we waited a little bit and then actually just, you know, this week is when I had a second transfer. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't even know yet if it worked or not. <laughs> well, we all hope that it did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's. Crossed. <laughs> I, I guess when I ask, you know, what kept you going through all these things and not necessarily like, oh, I'm just going to keep um, what's the next procedure or what's the next thing I can do, but more inherently inside of, you know, in your heart, like, was it just, you know, I, uh, what was speaking to you to like, okay, Michelle, <laughs> you're going to do this? Yeah. Oh, I mean, I, I've known that I wanted two kids, you know, I think in one point in my life, I've maybe wanted three, but that's not happening for us. And I don't think I will be able to keep my sanity with three. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I want my son to have a sibling and he talks about it and he is, you know, awesome around little kids and babies. And he, you know, he even says like, well, when I have a sister, you know, we're going to do this. Or when I have a sister, we're going to name her this. And <laughs> I do kind of have to like, I'm like, well, you may not have a sister, but okay. <laughs> you know, so that, and knowing that we went through 
this process and we have more embryos left, you know, that definitely like makes you want to try again. And just having an amazing support system, you know, my, not, not even my parents and my siblings, but I have like a ton of cousins and even my aunts have like reached out and asked how I'm doing and asked if we're, you know, ready to try again. And, you know, just always are telling us that, you know, God has a plan for you. And a lot of times I don't want to believe that, you know. That saying that, you know, something happens for a reason, it it doesn't sit well with me all the time, but Mm -hmm. I think I do believe it. You know, I think there was a reason that that first transfer didn't work out. And, and I think it just like gave us a, a fresh start for the new year. And so I'm hopeful for this one. We'll see where it goes. And how have you been feeling um, you know, health-wise, I know it can be a lot to endure going through that. Um, is that if you've been feeling good and yeah, I have. I've been feeling pretty great actually. It took me a little while to recover from the like this IVF procedure itself, you know, so like the stems and the retrieval, um, the transfer, and then just like that ectopic. I mean because the ectopic took so long to resolve itself, I, I felt it. I felt bad, you know, I just, you know, no energy, like was not sleeping. My skin was like the worst that it had ever been in my entire life. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, now like I've, I've been actually starting to feel really good. Like after the holidays, you know, you always say you're going to like eat healthier for the new year and, you know, try not to drink as much wine. <laughs> so I think that that definitely has helped. Like, the last few weeks, I've been feeling really, really, really good. And were there any, you know, going through um, the miscarriage and the ectopics and just the journey? I mean, was there anywhere in particular that you turned for support, whether it was, you know, support groups or something you found helpful online or anything of that nature that you would look at? I'm, I'm definitely, you know, pretty open about what I'm going through, but I'm not as good as sharing my emotions about it. And so, you know, I think I said like, you know, there was a day when I just like felt alone in this whole process, like the IVF and going through an ectopic again, um, because, you know, even my husband wasn't like physically here next to me. And so, so, and I think I'm just like, my personality is that where I'm supposed to be the one that's, you know, being, you know, being able to do everything on my own, you know, and dealing with it on my own, taking on all the stress. And I think just as women in general, we do that. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I had to really start to open up to, you know, to at least like friends, you know, you had Chris on the podcast and she's awesome. And she's such a good, um, support system for me outside of my family because she's been through it and it's her you know she's like a no frills kind of um approach to the advice that she gives you know she just tells you how it is and same with the, you know some other friends as well and definitely like my family really supported me and one other thing that really has helped is that I've been talking about my experience for to friends and 
coworkers, family that are actually going through this now. So I think just being able to like talk about what I've gone through really helps, you know, to deal with it, right? Because you just keep talking Mm -hmm. about it and it helps you get through it. And then they can hopefully learn from that or any takeaways that they can have from my experience, I think always helps me because I'm able to help somebody else. And I'm sure your husband has been amazingly supportive. Yeah, I keep saying that he wasn't here physically. He is. <laughs> I am so blessed and I'm so thankful that he understands the meds, the protocol, and he's super hands-on around the house and with our son, you know. So even when, you know, with him not being here, like in the evenings or on the weekends and things like that, he is so hands-on while he's here. And I didn't have to worry about, like, you know, doing any of the shots, you know, or anything like that. He was, like, always you know, drive me to appointments, wait for me, you know, things like that when, when he was here. So of course, like he's a huge support system. Again, I hate to put that like emotional burden on him, but I, that's just like, that's something like an internal struggle for me. Like I need to work on that myself. It's hard. Um, cause I think you're right. You know, as women, we feel like, okay, this is what we're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And you just kind of unconsciously bear the brunt yourself. Yeah, no, totally. And yeah, I think that's just something that, like, you know, we, I need to work on and like probably we need to work on is just like sharing a lot of that, you know, because it's, it's on both of us, right? And I know he feels it too. He's definitely told me, you know, I'm, I'm always surprised when he says, well, how come, you know, how come they're pregnant so fast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't have the answer to that question. <laughs> right. And how do you, I mean, I guess you've sort of touched on this in some ways already, but how, how do you think you found resilience through this whole, through the whole thing? I mean, you've been through a lot and I want to acknowledge that. Um, How do you, how have you found resilience and how do you feel like you've, I don't want to say grown, but for Mm -hmm. lack of better terms, I guess, you know, positive or negative, we always grow, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, through this, you know, being able through this podcast, being able to share the story. um, I have, you know, a blog of my own. It's a food blog, but I still like to share personal experiences on that. So I think for me, opening up about it and sharing the stories helps me a lot. And, you know, I'm from the South Asian community where, we were just so tight-lipped about anything pregnancy-related. You know, you can't talk about miscarriages. You can't even talk about when you're trying to conceive. And definitely can't talk about IVF because, oh, why would you do that? Why would you need to, you know, go to the doctor and, you know, have your eggs fertilized outside of your body? It's just so foreign to to the community. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's normal. And, you know, women are going through miscarriages every day. And there are so many of us that are going through IVF and have our own stories and you don't hear it until you tell somebody what you're going through. And so why do you think that is? It's just that stigma with, you know, like I said, and it's more with the South Asian community. I think, um, I'm not sure about other cultures, but you know, women weren't supposed to talk about this, you know, talk about pregnancy openly or what they were going through. I don't know if that 
made them the same week or I, I don't I don't know. You know, I I think I I need to talk to some of the older generation and see why it's so hard for them to talk about this. But I yeah. think with us, you know, we we are becoming more open and, you know, learning from each other and I've had a really positive response to sharing my stories, so I'm just I'm going to keep doing this. That's awesome. I I commend you for sharing everything that you've shared. I mean, it's can't be easy to do. Um, I I guess a last question for you would be, what advice would you give um, other couples or women going through? things you've been through I mean if what what do you wish that someone would have told you or what's like something that you uh, advice that you want to share I think the first piece of advice is to definitely like get that medical opinion or seek treatment you know if you feel like you need to even if you let even if you haven't started you know, family planning just yet, but you're like almost there. I don't think it ever hurts to, you know, start the tests early and talk to a medical professional early on. I think that always helps. And I wish that I would have started a little bit earlier, you know, because, um, you know, as you know, like when you're going through IVF, it's a process and it takes time and you can become not you, but you know, we can all become kind of impatient and you really just want it to happen fast, but just biologically you can't. Right. So mm -hmm. I think that for sure. And, you know, just to help get through it, you know, reach out to whoever you're comfortable reaching out to, even if it's somebody that you don't know well, because I found that those going through pregnancy loss and IVF, they are the strongest people you will ever meet. And they are so happy to support one another. You know, and I think if you can even just, like they said, like take away one thing from somebody else's experience, whether that be about the procedures, about the protocol, you know, or even just like anything to help them through it, like about how to deal with it, you know, mentally, physically, I think that's great. And of course, you know, joining those groups online, I'm in a couple on Facebook and they're great. They have so much advice just from everybody that's been through it and listening to podcasts, watching documentaries, you know, whatever you identify with, I think take that extra step and do it and, you know, do it even early on, even if you're not like 100% in it. That's great advice. And you're so genuine and, um, you know, authentic in what you're sharing. And I know that someone out there is going to hear this and they're definitely going to find um, value in what you've shared. Yeah. And if I can just like say one more thing about why this is, you know, important for me to share is because, you know, when I went through that ectopic, I didn't realize it, that I was going through it. And I had the telltale symptoms of an ectopic pregnancy, but I didn't realize that's what was happening. I simply thought that 
I stopped my birth control and my body was adjusting. And never did I think that I was going to be going into emergency surgery because I had internal bleeding and a ruptured fallopian tube. And this is it's coming from like a pharmacist. Like I, sh- I feel like I should have known. And so I think it's because like I didn't catch it. I can imagine how many women are out there that have experiences and didn't even know. Yeah, that's so I, that's why it's really important to me to at least share the pregnancy loss stories. And now, of course, the IVF because it's just like a whole other bear. <laughs> Yes, I uh, I can imagine that it would be. Um, and I we just thank you, you know, I thank you so much for agreeing to be on today and the desire that you had to share your story is amazing. Um, I know that so many people and it's not talked about are going through really hard things and to hear, someone like yourself share their story is really going to resonate. Thank you. I I hope so. And I'm so thankful that you're doing this. This is, it's, it's awesome. I keep saying that and it just is. Thank you.